Well, welcome to our second podcast of this Advent series of Trinity Talks. Uh, we've named this little series the Adventure of Advent because we're very clever and we have alliteration. No, but yeah, we're going through this Adventure of Advent through the Collects of Advent, the four Sundays of Advent throughout this season. And yeah, last week we kind of clarified what exactly we're doing. And this week we're diving into that second collect. But I don't have Jake here with us. Um, I have Caleb Burr, Reverend Caleb Burr, our uh, family ministries. What exactly the title? I'm yeah, sorry, I should know this. Clergy associate for family ministry. But okay. You can call me whatever you want. You okay. Any title you want. Good deal. So that's been name and role. Caleb, Caleb tell me a little bit about your, your time here at Holy Trinity. This is your first time on the podcast. So Indeed. I'm sure a lot of people know who you are, but if they don't, uh, feel free to introduce yourself a little bit more there. Yeah. So Caleb Burr, I'm married to Paige. We've been married seven years come May of this. Well, yeah. May of next year will mm-hmm. be seven years. So we've got three girls, Hallie, Garner, and Quinn. Our oldest is three and a half. Garner is two. And then Quinn is five months. So been here seven years and uh, help oversee everything related to family ministry, particularly help manage the family ministry staff here of Rachel and Matt and Jessica, mm-hmm. and then also help with milestone ministry of transitioning with First Communion, with um, baptism, confirmation, those different realities. Mm-hmm. And then also other the, you know, how all job descriptions have those things at the bottom yep. and other miscellaneous tasks. Oh, yeah. I fall and find myself in that space quite yep. often. Yeah. Awesome. Good deal, man. Seven years, Allie and I will be seven years in August of next okay. year, too. So, 2017, good year. Carolina won basketball championship <laughs> that year, too. So, very good year. <laughs> good vintage. Yeah, so, Caleb, here's a question to ring in the uh, the Christmas season. You know, last episode, I think Jake and I talked through a few things, but what was your favorite Christmas tradition growing up? Did you did you have one? Uh where were you at? You were in Northern Virginia at that time. You were, well, um, so I was in Maryland until okay. seventh grade, and then we moved to Madison, Wisconsin in uh, okay. 2013. So cool. my favorite tradition is uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we would go and cut down a Christmas tree oh, with wow. like a saw and actually nice. cut it down and wrap it up and put nice. it on our tree. Mm-hmm. And we did that all the way through high school. And mm-hmm. even when I was in college, I'd come back and cut down that, uh, cut down a tree <coughs> and put it up and mm. put ornaments up. And that's actually been one of the... It's been heartache is way too strong of a word, but in Raleigh here, it's despite being in North Carolina, which is one of like the biggest exporters of Christmas trees yep. uh, on the East Coast, it's about four hours to get to yep. Boone to cut yep. down an actual tree, and yep. so we just go to our local like Salvation Army and buy a way too expensive tree yeah. and bring it home. But yeah. like I just long to take my kids to uh, tree farm and cut yeah. it down. But yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah. What about you? Awesome. Yeah. No, I well, real quick. I mean. I yeah, it is a bummer. Um, but I knew people who they would make that like mountain. They'd do like a weekend okay, trip okay. to Boone or yeah. somewhere in the mountains just to get the tree. But yeah. they'd get like a cabin or something for the okay. weekend, okay. so it became like a whole thing. I I definitely we don't do that now, but I think at one point I think that would be that'd be fun. But uh, I don't know, Allie and I, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we're kind of moving in the direction of a plastic tree. Okay. So uh, just at some point I, uh, it just adds up and you need some estate, su- su- right. some sustainability. But yeah. uh, I don't want to judge, but I do judge. Yeah, yeah, please <laughs> do. I'm a, I'm a plastic people. person. Yeah, <laughs> plastic tree equals plastic I, I person. I can't do it. I need a real thing. Yeah. But uh, let's see here. Favorite tradition. You know, we just, 
I really just loved going to my grandparents on Christmas Eve and we do like the candlelight service and we watch It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, I just felt like whenever I was there, I, that just, I felt like this is Christmas, you know, like being with my grandparents and being sure. with family and watching the movie and eating the food. Um, it wasn't, any, we didn't like do a particular thing. Some years we'd do white elephant. Some years we'd do um, some other game or there'd be a football game on or something. But I think that always just like, okay, this is, this is Christmas, you know, and I always enjoy doing it. And we still do, try to do that. Now I've, clergy so i have christmas right. eve responsibilities right. Right. but um that probably has been my favorite so yeah cool deal well um that's what leads us up to this collect and if you're familiar with the anglican tradition it's a very uh famous collect uh one that a lot of people it's their, it's their favorites and this is the second sunday at advent which is typically thought of in that more ancient understanding of the advent of the word and that is the coming or the advent or the arrival of God into the hearts of the faithful. Um, one Episcopal priest and theologian, Fleming Rutledge, she in her Advent book calls it the, There's for her, there's three Advents. There's the Advent which redeems, that is the incarnation. There's the Advent which sanctifies, which is the coming of God in word and sacrament. And then ultimately, lastly, the Advent which glorifies. Now that's a you know, kind of Different way of understanding it. Don't have to totally remember that, but for her, I'd be very impressed if somebody could remember. Oh that yeah, and it's, bring that up in a conversation. Yeah, well, she has Latin behind it, and okay. I kept it. I kept it English. That always the, makes it sound smarty. You know, yep. you throw a Latin term yep, in there. Yep, yep. So I, uh, I didn't do all that. But what Fleming is all about, and what we kind of talked about last week too, is what Advent is doing. Is it is, uh, it's locating us in time where the incarnation is in the past. Uh, the advent which redeems is in the past and the coming of Christ. Now we're getting into the present of the advent which sanctifies in word and sacrament. That's something we, like we can presently realize every day. And then the second advent or the last two advents are all future related. You know, So what advent is doing here at the beginning of the Christian year is kind of um, locating us on a spectrum of time, reminding us who we are in relationship to um, an eternal God on an eternal timeline. And I just think that's really cool. So um, I don't know about you, Caleb, or the listener, but I, I, this has all been really interesting to me. <laughs> and uh, it's not something I typically think about when I think about Advent. And so now here we are in the second week of Advent. So I think before we start philosophizing and uh, trying to theologize about all this stuff, let's let's pray the collect, and then maybe we could make some observations. So Caleb, do you mind praying for us uh, this second collect of Advent? It would be my pleasure. Blessed Lord, who caused all scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read them, mark them, learn them, and inwardly digest them, that by, patient in the comfort, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Mm. One of the best. Uh, it's personally one of my favorites. Um, it's something really we actually, uh, we've been praying a lot at our evening service, um, just kind of inserting it in there before the sermon is preached and other things like that. So, And I um, think it's because we at Holy Trinity here have a real value on God's Word. Mm. And so... 
high priority is making sure that we read it, understand it, digest it, and mm-hmm. are transformed by it. So it's unsurprising in our context, but really good. Yeah. And it just, I mean, the listener is not surprised. They've heard me talk about it before, but just this is a Cranmerian prayer. It's it's Thomas Cranmer's, one of his well-known colleagues, but it just, the heart of Cranmer was all about the scriptures, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, making them intelligible. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think of the Anglican tradition is like, oh, it's about all about the liturgy and about mm-hmm. the worship. And it's like, man, like the heart of it is about the scriptures mm-hmm. and all this stuff here. So just, let's just make a few observations here. Do a little inductive Bible study, if you will, over uh, sure. over this collect. You know, what are some, I don't know, key, key phrases here that stand out to you, that strike you? I mean, one that just jumps out to me is just this idea that holy scriptures are written for our learning. I don't know that. It's interesting to me. I, you could say a lot of things there. Uh, the Holy Scriptures were written for our, was First Timothy, or Second Timothy 3, talk about um, profitable for teaching, rebuke, edification, all that kind of stuff. You could say a lot of things, and Cramer focuses in on, on learning. So there is this kind of, I don't know, life of the mind that Cranmer seems to be interested in as someone approaches Scripture. I don't know, does that strike you at yeah, all? Yeah, and I think that resonates with scripture, right? Like Romans 12 Mm -hmm. says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Mm -hmm. so there's this real stress in scripture to learn and Mm -hmm. think and understand rightfully and correctly the things of God. Mm -hmm. And I think you even hear that echoed in the old Testament, right? Of like, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind Mm -hmm. and strength. There's a real need to understand things correctly to love God correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite, Proverbs, something I memorized back in college, uh, but call to mind sometimes before I read scripture is Proverbs 2, uh, beginning of Proverbs 2, just says, my son, if you receive my words, treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And what I've always liked about that, and I think it was helpful for me in a university setting like UNC studying religious studies and other things there was just there could just be this attitude of the evangelical or the person who's believes in the inspiration of scripture like they just they don't ask questions about scripture mm-hmm. you know they just they take it for what it's worth yeah. and yeah. but it seems like wisdom would have us like no you should be digging you know you should be asking questions. You should be calling out for insight. You should seek it like silver. You know, um, there's this kind of ongoing lifelong pursuit. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not wrong to ask questions. It's not wrong to, as this colleague talks about, like almost like chewing on them, you know, like really considering them and, and wrestling over them. And so, and the end of that proverb says, you know, it's through that, that you find the knowledge of God, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, I love that aspect of, of wisdom, of the wisdom literature. And then I think it's evident in this collect and the New Testament at large. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate, and the reader wouldn't be able to know this, but I can testify that you did that verse from memory, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. part of that learning is really, the only way you digest, digest it is mm-hmm. if like, you memorize it, mm-hmm. right? And so you can noodle on it, you can chew on it, and it can be brought to mind. And mm-hmm. So I think scripture memory goes hand in hand with learning, yep. you know? And mm-hmm. um, so I just commend you. Yeah. for your desire to memorize scripture and apply it to your life. Yeah, cool deal, man. Well, yeah, what else do you see here? What yeah, stands out? I actually really appreciate, I wanted to dig into that read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest mm-hmm. because 
yeah inwardly digest it's a weird turn mm-hmm. of phrase and i'm like mm-hmm. hey, where are you coming from where where yeah what's spurring this kind of language mm-hmm. and i actually googled some of this Good. and found that there's two actually interesting references to eating god's word mm-hmm. one of which is in revelations 10 9 to 10 mm-hmm. and again uh podcast listener i only found this out by doing a google search yeah. which i think is is I want you to hear that mainly because that's a great way to learn too. just look this stuff up, dive into it through research. But Revelation 10, nine to 10 says, take and eat it. And the it is referring to a scroll. And that's a whole concept and image in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. That's for another time. But take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I'd eaten it in my stomach, when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. It's Revelation 10, 9 to 10. And I know, Trip, you had mm-hmm. highlighted one from Ezekiel 3, 3. Mm-hmm. What was that one? Yeah, it's just, I think um, Revelation might be alluding to this too, but the prophet Ezekiel, when he's receiving his prophetic call, he's reminded this Lord, he's saying, the Lord said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and my mouth was as sweet as honey. Uh, so there's this like, yeah, prophetic responsibility or prophetic image of uh, eating God's words or eating, yeah, the words given to any, I'll just throw out there too. It's not a direct allusion, but think of Psalm 19 and the little reflection on the law of the Lord where it talks about the law of the Lord is uh, perfect, reviving the soul. Then at the end, he talks about more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a, not a, a terribly rare uh, instance of the idea of scripture, God's words being sweet or flavorful, if you will. Yeah, and yeah. actually the Jewish tradition mm-hmm. Uh, for new young boys who would encounter God's word, a rabbi would take um, a piece of stone with words inscribed on it, uh-huh. and he would actually pour honey on it. And then they would eat and, it. And they'd, he'd have Uh-oh. the young boys lick the wow. honey off God's word. Goodness. Where you're like, oh gosh, is that sanitary? <laughs> yeah. But it really gets at for these kids, like the law of the Lord, the word of God is sweet, mm-hmm. right? And think about that. Back in ancient times, honey was probably the sweetest thing they'd ever experienced, right? And to ascribe that to scripture, what a powerful illustration of just the sweetness of God's word, not only, um, yeah, just in their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Cramer again, uh, he, he, one of the first things that happened in the English Reformation was he published a series of homilies Mm. and the very first homily was on the homily of scripture, yeah. kind of like it is what orients us yeah. before we go anywhere too far. And this is this is what he says about scripture. I think it very much so echoes the same collect that he wrote. This is what he says. And as drink is pleasant to them that be dry and meat to them that be hungry, so is the reading, hearing, searching, and studying of Holy Scripture to them that be desirous to know God or themselves and to do his will. Let us then reverently hear and read Holy Scripture, which is the food of the soul. Let us diligently search for the well of life in the books of the New and Old Testament and not run to the stinking puddles of men's traditions devised by men's imaginations for our justification and salvation. So, yeah, there you just kind of hear it again. You know, the idea that Scripture is food for the soul, (laughs) you know, Uh, I just love how Cranmer is so consistent with that. Like, just as we need food and 
all its aspects of the food pyramid and our diet. Uh, you know, scripture is that for our soul. It provides sustenance for our lives in a way that, yeah, physical, tangible food can't, you know, so. And yeah. I just am struck thinking of how radical that would have been at the time, yeah. right? When people didn't have personal Bibles, when it would have been in Latin, like people would have just gone to church and followed the, yeah. whatever the priest told them to do. Yeah. So to really, for people to hear like, you need to read the scriptures yourself. Some yeah. might have, I don't even know how to read, you yeah. know? And so it just really was a new, fresh, different thing that Cramner was advocating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harken back definitely to the time of the apostles that got lost through the dark ages and yeah. all that. So I just don't want the reader to miss just how revolutionary yeah. it would have been to the, the average here at that time who had no access to scripture. The phrase that comes to my mind, that's like kind of a common day metaphor, mm -hmm. not a metaphor, I don't know these English terms, but mm -hmm. you know, we say you are what you eat, mm -hmm. right? And that inwardly yep. digesting, if you're eating scripture, man, yep. you become like the biblical world. You become yep. like the person of Jesus as you meditate on his words. Yep. And so it's like, I, I won't eat McDonald's, but yep. I'll eat God's word. Yeah, yep. <laughs> That'll be, be definitely better for me. Yep. I love that very first college summer project I went on, the theme of that summer project was feast. Uh, and it was just kind of this image of like feasting on God's word. Um, it's a cool theme. It stuck with me. Um, and just a little note, Eugene Peterson, great thinker, yep. has this book that's called Eat This Book, which yep. is all about reflections on scripture. Mm -hmm. And he pulls from these Revelations 10, Ezekiel 3, gets this idea of ruminating, chewing on, yeah. what's a good, masticating, yeah. that's a, yeah. a chewing word yeah. on scripture. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, what, what else do you see here? Uh, that we may embrace and ever hold fast. Mm. Oh man, Lord, is that, that is my prayer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like this world is hard. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunity to stray from the faith, mm -hmm. but my deep longing hope is that I will ever hold fast mm -hmm. to Jesus Christ. And so I think that is a tension that we feel in the Christian mm -hmm. life of falling back, going back to the rubbish of mm -hmm. our past. And this colic is just an encouragement to not only embrace day by day, again and again, but for the sole purpose of holding fast. And scripture helps us do that. Mm -hmm. I think Hebrews also talks about we hold fast to the anchor, the hope of the anchor of our soul, which is Jesus Christ. And so it's this rooted imagery of, um, yeah, making sure that we mm -hmm. hold fast to who is true. I guess that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And just, you know, reminding the listeners of in the first podcast, we talked about it, the structure of a prayer book has, or a, a prayer a collect has, um, you know, it has the uh, address to the father, has the acknowledgement through some means of his character by which we can approach him. And then it has the petition, it has the prayer itself, and then it has the aspiration or the like, so that mm -hmm. of the, of the prayer. And then lastly, it concludes on the plea, you know, reminding ourselves who we make this prayer through, but that, this is that kind of, that so that statement, mm -hmm. that aspiration, like we're not just praying for scripture to come into our hearts just because I don't know, we want to be smarter or we want to win the right arguments or we want to like, I don't know, just have a bunch of scripture stored up so we can uh, just have the right Sunday school answers or something like that. But it's like the so that here is that we may embrace and ever hold fast. You know, I just love that. That's the kind of aspiration that we're going for here in this prayer. And I love that it's part of a prayer where it's this acknowledgement of we need the Lord's help. So, Caleb, here, here's a question. Why do you think this collect is an Advent prayer and not another season? I think when I was first around the Anglican tradition, I, I 
became familiar with this prayer and I was actually surprised to learn, oh, we pray this around Advent. Like why? Uh, it just seems like it would be better. I don't know at another time. So I don't have any, any thoughts to that. Yeah. I think it's a great colic to pray all times. Yeah. Right. You, you mentioned that in the evening service, you pray that a lot and yeah. it's applicable, right? Cause God's word is always a applicable and it's always mm-hmm. relevant and we always need to read mark inwardly digest what we're learning from scripture mm-hmm. but i but this whole idea of marking digesting is intensely physical right it's mm-hmm. tangible it's fleshly and um that's so too is the incarnation right mm-hmm. so too is jesus coming down in the flesh and mm-hmm. so i think part of this is right jesus is the image of the invisible god and we see through scripture um a clear picture of God in Jesus. Right. Mm. And so, yeah, I just think it's a great prayer that, that parodies or not parodies. That's a terrible word that mm-hmm. just parallels with the physicalness of the incarnation, with the physicalness of needing to digest and mark and learn scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's so good. And I think it's reminding ourselves of that. Okay. That second Sunday of Advent, the idea of the advent of God in his word. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I didn't plan this, but mentioned Psalm 19 a second ago. Or Psalm 19, if you read it as a whole, there's there's two things, there's two means of revelation happening in that psalm. There's general revelation mm-hmm. that talks about like uh, the heavens above declare the glory of God, the skies declare His handiwork, and talks about how like generally revelation can be found through all things that you see through creation. But then verse seven, it moves into particular revelation. It moves into like okay, well, what are like the specific means by which we know. God and his character mm-hmm. um, and who he is exactly. And that's when it goes into the law of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's God's words spoken mm-hmm. to us, his commandments, his law. Um, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And this where it gets really particular and specific. And so scripture as a whole, we see that more generally. You know, Romans 1 talks about, you know, men are left without excuse in regards to their creator because of the creation. But, you know, an ocean doesn't tell you about Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a nighttime sky doesn't reveal to you the death and resurrection mm-hmm. of Christ. So there is, there is general and particular revelation happening throughout Scripture. And I think what we're talking about here in this second Sunday of Advent is that that particular mm-hmm. revelation. Mm-hmm. That like, how did Christ come become known to you? You know, mm-hmm. and for me, it definitely. I mean, I always tell my testimony in such a way that like. Hey, I, I grew up in the church. I was sure. aware of of a lot of things, but like it wasn't until like freshman year of college, I just started reading the Bible with some guys, and uh, just particular scriptures just jumping off the page. One in particular that was huge for me was just Matthew six as a whole, but Matthew six thirty three. Um, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I was like, whoa, like that just have I ever done that? You know, do I, do I seek first the kingdom of God? Uh, it was through that means by which I came to really know Jesus. So I, I wonder if that's, yeah, part of what's happening in this collect is moving from uh, the past and general revelation, like what, we, what we've seen and heard and known about God to like, okay, now does, how does this become present mm-hmm. in, in your life? Mm-hmm. And that comes through the means of, of his word. Um, and I think it's this beautiful play on like John one says in the beginning was the word was the word yep. the word was with god the word was with god in the beginning and mm-hmm. that word has took on flesh and dwelt among us right and so i love this word play of like the word of god is actually jesus and he's god's word mm-hmm. and i think you see i think it's john 14 where it says jesus says when you've seen me you've seen the father mm-hmm. and so when you look at jesus 
as revealed in the scriptures, the word of God, you get a clear picture of who God is, yeah. right? And so yeah. as we read Mark and inwardly digest, it's actually centering on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and obviously it's bigger than that. You have your Old Testament too, right? right? But everything is kind of orbiting around Jesus. And I think this is where you've talked about with Advent, it's word and sacrament, right? right? We talked about this whole idea of you are what you eat, right? Mm -hmm. In communion, we believe we're uh, feeding on him in our hearts by faith, right? Mm -hmm. We're feeding on Jesus. And so word and sacrament both point to the word of God, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard it said before, like in the word we hear and conceptualize this but in the sacraments we see it mm-hmm. you know like taste it yeah so and inwardly digest it yep, literally <laughs> yep yep so that's great man i've been working through um a little book i'd recommend to the listener um uh, but um uh, some of my content here has come from it but it's just the collects of thomas cranmer by uh Frederick Barbie and Paul Zoll but uh, this is just what they say in regards to this collect i just thought this quote was really good and I wasn't going to edit it to sound like I'm smart, but I'll just quote them straight out out of it. But uh, they just say of of this week's prayer, our human, sorry, in the first week's prayer, our human presence was linked without immortal future through the two advents of Christ. But this prayer, the emphasis rests on a reference point, a text which exists as a compass to reorient our lives. And it talks about, you know, um, when you're trying to prove a point, you know, who's your reference point? Is it... uh, you know, your father or your wise mother, or is it a mentor or the founding fathers or Dr. King, or is it your rector? Is it your previous rector? Is it the winner of a Nobel prize? Is it the internet? Is it uh, time magazine, Guinness book of records? It seems that for Christians, you know, our touchstone or our reference point for all of these things is, is Holy scriptures, mm-hmm. you know? And so as we move from the past into the present, and then the next few weeks, we'll be thinking about our future how we move into that future is through this touchstone or reference point of, mm-hmm. of scripture, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I just really appreciate that. If Advent is a lot about locating ourselves mm-hmm. on a map, if mm-hmm. you will, like we got to have a compass, mm-hmm. you know, and Cranmer's using this prayer. The collect is, is speaking of like, here's the compass, mm-hmm. you know, here's mm-hmm. scripture, which mm-hmm. is going to guide you through these things. So, and I, I think about this, this whole idea of read Mark and inwardly digest um, has these connotations of receiving what mm-hmm. the scripture says, right? I, yeah. I love this phrase. It might be from Eugene Peterson in this Eat This Book. We we can't overstand scripture. We yep. need to understand it, right? Yep. That we submit our lives to its truth, its authority, its norming realities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's why some of the world has gone astray because it's tried to overstand scripture. It's mm-hmm. tried to read its truth its longings, its hopes into scripture and yep. just proof text with scripture yep. rather than being corrected and challenged and humbled and so and so by scripture. Yeah. Love that, man. So here, here's a question for you. You know, what do you think according to this collect is, what is it about scripture that helps us frame our love for Jesus? So if it is that compass, if you will, like how does the compass work? You know, um, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it goes back to that idea of Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? Mm-hmm. And let me let me start with an analogy, right? One of the ways that I grow in my love for my wife is by spending time with her and talking with her, mm-hmm. right? Listening to her as she shares her hopes, her longings, her pains, mm-hmm. her dreams. It's just that relational verbal communication, right? Mm-hmm. If scripture is God's spoken word to us, when we sit down with scripture, we're sitting down with God himself, mm-hmm. We hear his thoughts, his dreams, his longings for the world, for us. Mm-hmm. And so if 
for us to truly love Jesus, we have to know, yeah, that's, it's God speaking to us about God himself, Mm. right? It's us speaking about his son. And so, Mm. uh, yeah, I think scripture is, is the, is one of the clearest ways we get to spend time with God and Mm -hmm. grow in our longing and love of him. It's the clearest depiction, right? Mm. There's so many things out there as you were talking, general revelation, Mm -hmm. the stars, the forests, the mountains, Mm -hmm. but we hear clear, articulate, consistent, hopeful words in scripture. Mm. Yeah. And then I also think, um, I love this phrase of, I once heard it said that uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so love for Jesus should lead us to look like Jesus. Mm. Man, if I was tweeting, I'd probably tweet oh, that yeah. quote. That's a good yeah. one, right? Yeah. Love for Jesus should lead us to look like Jesus. And how do we know what Jesus looks like? Well, it's from the scriptures, right? Yeah. We see how he treated those orphan children or those women who were bleeding, right? It's like you yeah. get a picture of his heart and character the word and so um yeah as we read the word we see that clear picture of jesus and mm-hmm. so we try and look like him yeah. and that's what transforms our love yeah and real I, quick there i mean yeah, it, sure. it just you mentioned earlier like you are what you eat yeah. well you may be familiar with uh like james ka smith you know he takes a he takes that a step further like you are what you love mm-hmm. you know like you become what your heart is moved by right. you know and right. he's getting that from augustine you know our hearts are restless until they find our rest in in him you know but yeah it's like ultimately you are what you consume but you're consuming the things that you love and need mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. until you see that jesus is what that thing that we ultimately need for our souls then you start to become more like him That's to right. your point That's you know right. so one thing i want to do in these discussions is just have some pastoral takeaways and i think you and generally i'm sure you have some good takeaways for us but i think especially like your approach to families is is really thorough and and helpful here and so i'd I'd love to hear any takeaways you might have specifically for families um, as they approach this advent season but in general yeah any any takeaways you might have for us as we move forward in this season this is more a joke that i've been talking about with Paige recently is like, before I had kids, I had three theories on parenting. Now mm-hmm. I have three kids and zero theories on parenting. <laughs> That's just, great. When you're in it, it's hard, yeah. right? Like you're just trying to make it day by day. And yeah. so one of my takeaways that is so true in Advent is that Jesus incarnated to save you because you couldn't do it yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's so much grace here for the tired, the worn out parent, Jesus can help you even if you can't help yourself. Like I hate, is that that the right word? Yeah, I do hate that phrase of God helps those who help themselves. Uh, Because you look all over scripture, God helps like the fool, like the people who are doing the exact opposite thing, God crashes into their life and says, hey, I'm going to bring you back. And that's the truth of the gospel message, right? Like even if we're tired, if we're worn out, God's the one who can come in and give that balm to the soul. Yeah. So like a simple pastoral takeaway is like, if all you can do is go to church, good on you. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the main thing is just showing up in any capacity yeah. that you have. Yeah. Um, and I, for like parents of all different ages with so much going on in Christmas, like that might be the only word that they can hear of Jesus has got you and just go to church if you can. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk to parents if they do feel like they have margin to do one or two things. And Again, I I think when we get into application, it can feel really tempting to say, I need to do eight things. Mm -hmm. I think it's wise to say, hey, I'm going to try and do one thing and I'm going to just try for one week. Mm -hmm. And if that goes well, I'm going to do it again the next week. And so 
even as I share some of these pastoral takeaways, again, it's taking it with a grain of salt of try it, try it for a week. If, if you get traction, push into it a little more, try it again. If not, abandon it and do something different. Mm-hmm. So getting into some of the specifics, right? Like you, you have to bespoke some of these applications based on your family and mm-hmm. where your kids are developmentally, right? You're going to do things differently from a preschooler than you would for a high school senior, right? right. Uh, yeah. Development impacts application. Mm-hmm. So I would say for preschoolers, preschoolers think like artists, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're tactile. Five senses are key. Imagination mm-hmm. is big. And so what we've actually done in our house is we have five nativity sets, mm-hmm. three of which they can actually play with. And so mm-hmm. our kids are on the ground actually playing with nativity sets. Mm-hmm. And it's this crazy easy opportunity for me to see my daughter Hallie playing with Joseph and yeah. to say like, hey, what did Joseph do in this story, yeah. right? And so it's this natural engaging with mm-hmm. something that they're playing with, having fun with, touching. Um, and then I would also say right now for preschool kids, and I'm only I'm only able to share really personally about these because we only have preschool kids, right. but <laughs> we are trying to hit the Christmas carols really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly shocked at my daughter's memory, Hallie's mm-hmm. memory for songs. Mm-hmm. And so as we sing these Advent nativity, Christmassy songs, like she's learning the words and mm-hmm. that's just a practical way. That's easy. It doesn't require a ton of work. You can play them in your car, mm-hmm. you can play them before you're going to bed, just as you're eating dinner, decorating, like, yeah, just play Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. So that's preschool thinks like an artist. And then elementary, these age kids think more like scientists. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's big on observation in day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. repetition, testing things. So Mm -hmm. for example, right, like you have these nativity sets Mm -hmm. or nativity, um, what are the three things? Nativity Uh, wreaths, right? And you've got candles that are like faith, peace, love, hope, right? right? So let's say you want to take the theme of peace. And let's define peace as calmness, reduction of anxiety, nervousness, or lack of anger, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can get a jar as a family and say, hey, family, elementary kid, we are going to try and cultivate peace Mm -hmm. over these next three weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we have this jar, and every night at dinner, we're going to write on that jar one area that we've seen peace or experienced peace Mm -hmm. or we want to see peace in our lives, right? You write that down in the jar, you place it in the jar, and that is kind of a day to, <clears throat> a day to day repetitive way of mm. fostering these advent themes. Mm. Yeah. And what's great about advent is it's just four weeks, right? Yeah. So you yeah. can do anything for four it's weeks. Time right? bound. It's yeah. time bound, right? Yeah. So you don't have to say, I'm gonna do this until Jesus comes. Yeah. And obviously I'm, I'm mindful when this podcast comes out, I think we're in week two or three yep. of Advent. Yep. And so it's like, hey, over the next week, one week, two weeks, mm-hmm. try this jar thing, yep. right? If you're elementary. So uh, again, it's about day-to-day life repetition. Middle school uh, researchers say that. What middle- do they think of like? I, mean, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I always say middle school boys aren't humans. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're kind yeah. of more wild. Beasts I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I say that uh, having been a, a youth pastor for many, many years, yep. I, I have a sweet place in my heart for middle schoolers. Yep. But they think like an engineer, mm. and so their middle schoolers are trying to connect ideas. So think about this connecting of idea, right? If we're in the, take that theme of peace, right? Mm -hmm. How do we connect that to our day to day? What you could do is you could say, okay, Jesus came in the flesh, not to serve, but be served. Mm -hmm. And Jesus serves us by dying in our place. So as a family, let's go serve, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to connect biblical truth or realities about the season with day to day tangible experiences. You're Mm -hmm. connecting the ideas. So 
um, if you're talking about Jesus coming in the flesh to serve people, mm-hmm. how can you serve people, right? And you have your classic, let's go ring bells for Salvation Army yep. or what we're doing actually at church. Uh, we have this great event called Advent Extravaganza and mm-hmm. we're inviting kids to bring toys. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really easy one. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you're not part of our church, as a family, just go to Target, buy, well, first call like a homeless shelter and say, mm-hmm. hey, what things do you need this yeah. Christmas season? Yeah. Get your whole group in a car, drive to Target, let your kids pick out those items, mm-hmm. get back in the car, drive to the homeless shelter, drop them off, mm-hmm. right? Really easy. But what you're doing is you're, you're connecting service of what Jesus does in the Advent to an actual day-to-day real experience. Mm-hmm. Similarly, um, yeah, we, we actually have one family who's doing this. Mm. A father came and said, like, hey, I want to take my kids uh, to a soup kitchen. And mm. we are doing this toy drive, toy drive here at Holy Trinity on at Advent Extravaganza. And so his family is actually, they're going to come pick up all the toys, take them down to where we're dropping them off at this mm. Pride for Parents store, which is a store that enables parents to buy gifts at reduced cost so mm. that they feel like they can have dignity during the mm. Christmas season. This whole family is coming. They're going to um, help coordinate the dropping off of these gifts, packing up the cars, donating uh, mm. to this organization mm. through our church, right? Awesome. It's a practical outworking of this idea of service. Yeah. Um, or another one, easy, right? Jesus, in this, I had mentioned peace a little while ago, mm-hmm. and then I talked about service. Right. What I mean when I talk about peace, right? Um, Advent is about Jesus as the Prince of Peace, right? Mm-hmm. Government will be on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. You read a newspaper, what's going on? War in Gaza, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. War in Israel, war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. These are areas where there isn't peace, right. right? So what does it look like to have a conversation with your middle schooler about, okay, if, if the scripture says Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the government will be on his shoulders. What does that look like mm-hmm. in Gaza? What does it look like in Ukraine? What does it look like in Israel, yeah. right? That's the connecting of the dots, scriptural truth, to real live realities. Yeah, love that. I know I need to speed it up. I'm, a, I'm, I'm talking a lot yeah. here. Yeah. But if you're in high school, we're about to turn to you. High schoolers think like philosophers, mm. right? They're trying to discover meaning. They learn best by processing out loud. And so we have a family in the church, the Comptons, who each Advent season, they read the Gospel of Mark over four weeks. And you could take this idea and run with it, right? As a family of high schoolers, you could say, we're going to read this book and we're going to discuss what we as a family see in it. What Ask these high schoolers what they see. Talk through compute, confusing parts, research answers, engage on the topics you see and give application points. Mm-hmm. And a word that I would say to these parents of high schoolers is they have to see, if you're a parent, they have to see your faith too. And mm-hmm. so this can't be like a teacher just saying like, hey, what answers do you see in here? And let me correct you if you're right or wrong. Parents need to be vulnerable too with mm-hmm. high schoolers. They need to answer the same questions that they're asking their students for mm-hmm. their kids. So that's one way as a, as a high school family that you could engage with scriptures over four weeks, right? Yep. Say we're going to read Gospel of Mark over the next three weeks together yeah. at dinner and talk about it. Yeah. Well, man, this has been, yeah, so helpful. And I, yeah, you say, may have used a lot of words there, but man, so helpful. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, in a different season of life and trying to tackle that. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. I'm curious, you know, for those who might be on the other side of, uh, parenting now their grandparents, how would they maybe, uh, what could they be doing with their grandchildren during this time? Yeah. My 
in-laws are great. Uh, we have actually a little puppet that's called mm-hmm. Lucy. It's a little lion. And this is actually where this idea comes from. She actually calls in to our family on FaceTime and she tells stories with the puppets. Mm-hmm. And my kids like freak out and they're like, Lucy, Lucy, we love you. Where if you're a grandparent, you could buy a puppet of like a king or just any puppet of a bird and say, hey, can I talk to my grandkids? And you tell the story of Advent with a puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to do that with a high schooler unless that's your dynamic with your high school grandchild. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do a puppet yeah. show with yeah. them, but uh, that'd probably be for younger kids, right? As you get in, or you could send a nativity set if you have a preschool uh, grandchild, preschool mm-hmm. age grandchild. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking elementary school. What I might do is you could write a note to your elementary aged grandchild uh, just writing out like a, a Advent themed scripture and yeah. saying, this is what it means to me. This is what I think the text means. This yeah. is how it relates to scripture, right? Yeah. What middle, what elementary kid gets a note to them, yeah. you know, right? And so it's just so personal. It's sweet. And it's also Advent themed right? yeah. where you're sharing some of your wisdom and your truth with them. Yeah. Um, I think you could do that for middle or high school students as well. And then I think so many parents, so many grandparents um, love their grandchildren, but they love their actual kids too. Yeah. And we actually on our, right above our kitchen sink have like four advent cards that Uh just have a verse with like a little reflection. Mm -hmm. You could send those advent cards to your family and just say, Hey, thinking about you. I'm not sure if you have these advent cards, just wanted to send it. Mm -hmm. So that's some buckshot ideas of what might be something that a family could do in this season. I love that, man. Yeah. This has been so helpful. And I, yeah, I really appreciate your, your thoroughness and your, your thoughts there. We're going to kind of wrap it up here to close. I mean, a lot of this conversation, just to remind ourselves of the collect and this week, and as people try to take up, you know, the, the impact of this collect, you may remember last week I shared like, Hey, like maybe a good practical next step from listening to this is just pray through the collect every day. Just really let it soak into your life as you march through the week back to the gathering on Sunday where we'll say this or the next collect get together. I think it really starts to, to shape us when we when we do that. And then of course there's you know practical ways you can take up reading scripture. You know, I'll just throw out two things here. You know, there are so many Advent devotionals, uh Crossway, Gospel Coalition, all sorts of places have some really helpful things. And some of them are more thorough than others. <laughs> um you know, I've, I've found some helpful ones, but a Google search will be helpful there. And, um, you know, there's things like looping in the lighting of an Advent wreath and all sorts of things. One thing I would just add is, as this is a time where this is kind of the Christian New Year Advent, as we lead up to the actual New Year, I think one thing that could be helpful to consider over the next few weeks is what is going to be your scripture intake going into 2024? You know, everybody likes to get a scripture reading plan and Everybody's like, oh, I'll just start in Genesis. But there's a lot of plans out there, and there's ways to go through um, the church calendar. There's ways to um, go through it systematically over the course of several years. You don't have to knock it out in one year. But I would start considering now what that's going to look like next year. I think a lot of people think December 28th, like, okay, what am I going to do to read the Bible next year? But this is a season, this is a week maybe to say, okay, here's read, mark, learn, inwardly digest. Like I'm compelled by that. What is that going to look like for me in 2024? Well, you got the next few weeks to start considering that. And I think it could be helpful time to, to consider that, but any, you'd have any last thoughts for yeah, consideration? Just, just thinking or, about scripture intake. I'm always a big fan of 
scripture intake as it leads to life. Yeah. Where don't do a whole year Bible reading plan if that just feels soul crushing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where it's find something more manageable. Yep. Like this should be lively and life giving and transformative. Yep. And so as you figure out what that looks like, don't don't pigeonhole yourself to say a good Christian it has to look like this. Yep. Right. Like yep. an example could be what you do during Advent or even after is scripture writing. Yep. Right. You're going to choose a passage every day or every mm -hmm. week. Um, or an, if you're in Advent, you could think of doing this just for the season of Advent, right? You choose a passage and you write it out slowly, right? That writing out is part of the marking. It's the inwardly digesting. It's the ruminating. Mm -hmm. This helps you slow down to read. That helps you slow down your reading and it allows you to meditate more deeply on those words, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great, to me, example of how to, what's your scripture intake, mm -hmm. right? It could be writing out a certain list of scriptures. And so in the next week, you find what are the 24 scriptures that you mm -hmm. want to write out over the next year, mm -hmm. right? And you make a discipline of that. Or I use a Bible memory app called Versify, mm -hmm. and I've got some verses in there that I've chosen that I want to try and memorize. Mm -hmm. And uh, Versify just lets you like gamify it with like writing it in or doing uh, multiple choice words. So that could yeah. be a way to do it. Yeah. Also, Advent classic, Jesse Tree. So yeah. Jesse Tree is an Advent tradition where you're reading scriptures as it relates to Jesus's genealogy. So mm -hmm. this is like the root of Jesse. Yep. Um, the, what is that? You probably know better than me. It's like a branch will shoot up from the mm -hmm. root of Jesse. Yeah, Isaiah. From the stump. Yeah, yeah something like that, right? Yeah. And so you read a passage each day and you hang an ornament on a tree or draw on paper to represent that story. And so it's really trying... All these things are how do you cut into scripture, right? Mm -hmm. And Advent, a cut could be that Jesse tree. Yeah. But again, main thing is for you figuring out a way to dive into scripture. Yeah. And right, that's the main thing. That's how we see Jesus. That's how it cultivates our love. It's our touchstones. Mm -hmm. So yeah. those are just some. Cool. Well, Caleb, this has been awesome, man. And I, it's just been devotionally rich for me, even in this conversation. I hope it is for whoever's listening to this. It, whether it be 2023 or future years, you know, I mean, I think I'm just always just reminded in that collect um, of just, um, Hey, we don't read scripture. Somebody said one time I heard and thought it was always convicting to me just to become smarter sinners. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's something to reading scripture that like, as we become more mature, we become more childlike, you know, mm -hmm. and coming to scripture daily and consistently should be more and more like that. You know, I think it's GK Chesterton that said one time, like perhaps we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we, <laughs> like there's something about the Lord that just delights in monotony, you know, the sun rising each day, creating new flowers, like where a child, you know, every day says, do it again, do it again. The Lord is kind of like that. And as we, you know, there may be this monotonous approach to scripture, but it's when we are doing this is there's, there's this childlike effect to it like every day do it again lord do it again where when i come to read mark learn inwardly digest you know it's all for the hope of man remembering our salvation and remembering of the goodness of the lord and there's sometimes i just read things in scripture and i'm like there's sometimes i read things in scripture and i'm like i don't know what the heck that means <laughs> and I, I don't know if i'll ever know what the heck that means there's other times i read it and i'm like i can't believe like that's in there you know that's just like too good to be true like i just need to like stop reading 16 chapters of Romans and just sit on that verse for like a week, you know? And I hope the listener, and as you consider what these disciplines might be like for you, you know, how could approaching scripture be some sort of 
childlike approach? And how does this season remind you of not just scripture, but that blessed hope of your salvation, um, of how the Lord met you? And I don't know, maybe you were in college, maybe it was when you were a kid, your family raising you to read scripture, or maybe it was later in your adult life of just your your time of coming to know the Lord and how sweet that was for you. So Caleb, man, I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to, I'm going to close by praying the collect and then we'll be good to go. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.